I think that as an offensive line, we know that we're capable of playing at a high level and you know, we're going to practice this weekend. You know, there's one, two things on film that we see that we're like, damn, we did that. We're going to do that this week and get better because of that. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Efforting one Lincoln Kennedy. He'll join us in a few minutes to talk about what he saw from the game on Sunday, Raiders and Chargers. But got a couple texts that I want to get to. Sam and Nash, text line 69187, keyword r This one's from the 209. I think we need to accept the fact that the Chargers are a really good team, especially now that they improve their defense. Carr had a bad game, and I'm sure he's going to clean it up. On to the Cardinals. Let's go. Perfect. Right to the point. Direct. There's nothing else you can really say. Right? The Chargers are a team that are expected to be a really good team. I have continued to say I, I, I want to see it before I just dive all the way in because there's too many times that year after year, it's like, oh, the Chargers are going to be great. It's like, okay. And then something happens. But I think to the Texas point, Justin Herbert did some really good things. Even when he did get pressure, he did some really good things. Guys on that Chargers team made plays when they needed to. They stepped up and made plays when they were called upon, offensively and defensively. And Khalil Mack was a closer. He closed the game. I did a radio hit earlier this morning with my guy CK from Fresno. He has a Fox radio he does in in Fresno. And he said, Q, Mack was a closer. When it came down to Derek Carr had the ball with the last drive, opportunity to win the game, a guy named Khalil Mack stepped up and closed things down. That's what we talked about when I was talking about season predictions and what you thought from Max Crosby. And, you know, there was the, 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 the names floating around about defensive player of the year. And that's the kind of moments he's going to have to have. Moments when you close games out. That's what Khalil Mack did. That's what you need to see from a Crosby, from a Chandler Jones, from someone who wants to be that closer. You know, it could be a guy like Nate Hobbs in the secondary. Oh, it's a big play? Boom. Got to make that play. Got to close it out. Guy on the back end, you know, Trayvon Merrick, we're still waiting to find out what's going on with his hip, see if he's going to be good to go for, for Sunday against the Cardinals. I mean, that's a, that's a major loss if not. You know, that's the one thing that I think about when I think of the, the Raiders' defense. I think of Denzel Perriman dealing with the ankle injury. I think of Trayvon Merrick dealing with the hip injury. You know, I think about those injuries. Can these guys stand up? Are they going to be healthy enough to go, right? Andrew Billings, undisclosed ailment. Is he going to be good to go? Because he actually played pretty good. He's a guy that I, I have some confidence in. He can do some good things from that defensive tackle position. Not a tall dude, but he's a strong dude. He can make some plays. Got a text from Mailman Raider Q. Back when you asked the question about what our predictions were on who starting starts along the O-line, we're now a week into the season. I don't think the coaches even have that answer. At this point, why not bring in an old cat to compete? Good question, right? I mean, Kelechi Assembly's in town. There's no word on if it's a guy that they're signing or not. If he is, where does he play? You know, the, the thing that I saw on Twitter, and Twitter's not the end-all be-all, but what I saw on Twitter was folks saying uh, John Simpson deleted his Twitter account. I know when I went to look, I didn't see his Twitter account, but apparently someone screenshotted it. I think Heidi Fang might have screenshotted it this morning on the morning tailgate. He had put up a piece, and then he deleted it, and then deleted his Twitter account. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to start any rumors, but that's what I saw, or that's what I was, I was seeing reported on Twitter. Again, it's just Twitter, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But that's just something that you know it seems like 
you know, who knows who knows what's going on, right? Who knows what they're they're trying to do? But I know one thing that GM Dave Ziegler is busy on the phone working out guys, figuring out what what works. There's no way that he's going to rest and just say, "Oh, everything's good." So there's that. We'll see if Lincoln Kennedy hits us back. Uh, Demond hit him up, sent him a text message. So we'll see if he hits us up. Lincoln's a very busy dude, so he might be busy at the time. No big deal. Uh, we'll get to him at some point. Sometimes these things happen. Uh, also. Got a text from Vegas Pete. I was surprised they didn't give any carries to Zeus. The best way to help out a line and slow, slow down the rush is to let them punish and open up holes. What happened to the Titans, Damon? So two, two, uh, two, two statements in that text right there from Vegas Pete. One, a shot at Damon and his Tennessee Titans taking the L, and then also uh, talking about Zeus. And, you know, I, I thought that we'd probably see a healthier rotation, but when you look at how many carries Josh Jacobs only had, he only had 10. So if he only got 10, you know, I, I expect that they will have more of the run game, but they only had a handful of possessions in the first half. And then you get behind and you have to throw the ball even more. So it just, I, I sometimes the game plan, you have to abandon the original game plan because some something happens during the course of a game. The circumstances change. I'm sure, I'm fairly sure, confident at least, that the game plan probably called for more runs. It just didn't happen, the position that the Raiders were in. Just my gut feeling. But sometimes these things happen. 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Who we got, Damon? We got Dexter in Oakland up. Dexter! Welcome to the show, brother. What's going on? What's going on, man? Chilling. Um, first time calling, man. Um, I think a lot of the issues with Carr, man, was timing issues. I feel like he might need to play preseason. I know a lot of quarterbacks didn't play, and most of those quarterbacks lost that mm-hmm. didn't play any preseason snaps. Like, you know, that first pass to Waller on the first drive was behind him. The pick was behind him to Winfro, even the one to Devontae in the end zone. If he was still in the back of the end zone, that was a touch, and I was actually sitting in that end zone, and I saw him develop. He was wide open. But he, it's like he underthrew or put too much – or too, didn't put enough on it. And then also, I feel like nobody's talking about some of the play calls. Like, you know, that one – I think it was fourth down where Winfro, like, caught it and fumbled. The very next play, they ran like a double reverse, and that just threw the whole drive off, and we ended up getting three. Mm-hmm. And then um, also towards the end of the game, uh, Jacobs was getting some good runs, and I feel like maybe they should have ran on that third and three instead of, you know, passing, taking a sack, and then, of course, taking that last sack. Yeah. And then as much as I've been hearing about them rotating the right side of the line, uh, Mack was giving Colton Miller some problems. And – like, I was in that, that lounge down there in the end zone before the game, and Cole Miller's massive. I didn't realize how big he was. I mean, I'm 6'5", and he made me feel small. And Matt moved him like he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And um, my last question is, I just – I really wonder and question, like, did the Raiders even try to make a call for Matt? Because they barely gave a big thing for him. And I'm not going to be in a prisoner in the moment, but Matt – I, I, I kind of would have took Mac than paying Chandler Jones if they paid him, but, you know, it's, it's too late for that. But I, I, I do wonder if that would happen. And also, man, I just want to give a shout-out to my boy, uh, Zachariah. He, you know, he always speaks high of you, man. That's, that's my guy. <laughs> yes, my dude. Zachariah's a good guy, man. Definitely appreciate the call, my man. 
man. Good stuff. Good stuff. He's talking about Zachariah, uh, formerly at 95.7 The Game. He's been up here. He's been on the radio station before. Uh, he's a good guy, man. I'd love to have that guy part of the roster here. I'll tell you right now, uh, he's fantastic. So uh, if, if there's anything that I could do to get him part of this roster, I definitely will. He's a, uh, he's a fantastic talent, really good at what he does. So definitely shout out to my man, Zachariah. Uh, as far as uh, the left side and Colton Miller, yeah, Colton Miller actually uh, had a poor day. He had a poor day, and I don't know if that was he didn't play in the preseason. I don't want to blame everything on the preseason, right? Like Josh Jacobs said in the locker room, like that, you can use that as a reason, but I don't want to use that as a reason. That's what he said, and I respect that. So I don't want to use that as a reason. I'm just trying to figure out. A guy like Colton Miller that you know is going to play at a high level didn't play at a high level, you know, so kind of wonder – what all went into that? What all, you know, these guys felt like went into it the most. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all, obviously you can't take it back now. It doesn't matter, but they got to, they got to improve moving forward. And the beautiful thing about it is the Raiders go on a two, three, four game win streak, whatever the case may be, win a couple games, these airways, man, it'll be like, hallelujah, kumbaya, you know, hey, we're all going to the family reunion. Everyone's going to the picnic. You know what I mean? Like, everything will be good. The and week re- one loss actually was a good thing. Yeah, you know, everything will, will work out fine. I mean, that's why you just kind of ride the wave, right? I mean, that's what it is. You know, it's like, you know, bad times don't last forever, right? They got a saying, but I don't know what that saying is, so I'm not going to try to quote it because I don't know what the saying is. But I know there's a cute little saying that they have about bad times and not lasting forever and good times will come or something like that. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know what it is. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. There you go. That sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds good to me, Demond. I'm all right with that. Let's go out to the phone lines. Who we got? Raider Dave in Denver. Raider Dave, welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I hope that you're able to ask Link if he thought the play calling was as vanilla as he expected. I mean, we didn't see not even one rollout, and Carr is great on the run, you know, throwing the ball. Uh, we didn't see much and yeah, I think somebody brought it up that uh, Zeus didn't get a run early mm-hmm. uh, at all in there, but um, I, I think that if you if you look at it as a whole and the, and the Chargers are supposed to be so good, uh, pick any other game in the NFL and have as many uh, turnovers as the Raiders had, that would have been a 41-14 to 14 game. I mean, I think you got to feel pretty good about the defense in the second half holding the Chargers down pretty well. But if anybody knows that uh, that Mac is a closer, it's Carr. Right. And I do not understand why he and McDaniel's don't get together and say, "Hey, look, this last series, we got three minutes, we got two timeouts, we can get this." But I need a second tight end to come in here and and help out as far as you know rushing on Mac's side. Because mm-hmm. you know darn well if Rashard was in there, if we still had him, man, Mac would have had a face full of that boy. <laughs> right, good call, good call. You know they needed to employ that that uh that scheme that they did when when they played the Bears back in London. Mary, when John Gruden's like anybody on that Bears team is going to beat the Raiders except for Khalil Mack. <laughs> he is not going to be the guy that's going to beat me. And and there was all a hundred percent attention on Khalil Mack not allowing him to get to the quarterback. That's what they needed to put in that little last three minutes right there. Like, hey, I don't give a damn what happens. I don't care who on this other team beats you. Not that guy. Not five deuce. He cannot beat us. That that's yeah. That's that's not actually a bad idea. <laughs> it's really not because again, like you said, if anyone knows Khalil Mack's a closer, it is Derek Carr. Who we got up next, Damon? Raider Reggie. Raider Reggie. It's been a minute. What's up, brother? Yeah, it's been a minute, but I'm gonna get my first call in right now with y'all. 
and Q U R O Q, because that's exactly what I was just thinking. At all costs, you don't let 5-2 get this game going like that because you know that's going to be the motor for the rest of the every, – every time they play us, that's how they're going to be talking. The next time they come to Allegiant, they're going to be talking like Khalil Mack is a god. We should not have let him get those sacks off like he did. The boy is a beast. You can't, can't deny it. But I would have put every moving part. <laughs> but, you know, it's game one, man. If we go back to last season, how we started last year, you know, the, the fan base going to do what it do. When we win it, we, we all butter and cream. You know, and then as soon as we lose, it's like your pet just died when you woke up first thing in the morning. So we Raider Nation like that. I, I know we can shake it off. I'm hoping that we have a better all-out uh, game plan because really to really break it down as far as what I thought, uh, your boy D.C. was just forcing it, and he said the same thing. So when it came down to the end of the game, though, I thought that was on Josh because we just straight went away from the run altogether, and I thought that was the time to put some runs in there or at least some screen passes or something keep them off balance but it is what it is it's a loss i hope we tap that you know what when uh arizona coming here and i'm looking for chandler jones to go crazy just like mac khalil mac did on us one love one nation let's go all day there he goes. Raider Reggie right there. Great call, man. It's good to hear from you. And, yeah, great breakdown, man. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Josh McDaniels probably looking at the film says, yeah, there were some things I could have done better. So probably some calls I could have made a little bit better. But, uh, again, it was week one for everybody. So I'm actually I'm going to be okay with it. And, again, 16 more games to go. There's plenty of winning time for the Raiders. They just got to go ahead and put it all together. You know, DeMond, let me go to this soundbite real quick from offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi since Raider Reggie brought up running and passing and all that. Let's talk about the offensive game plan and the running and passing. And again, Mick Lombardi met with the media earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, and uh, was asked multiple different questions, but uh, in, in specifics was talking about uh, the, the run versus the pass. And, you know, it was obviously, like I mentioned, Josh Jacobs only had a handful of runs, only 10. So uh, there's there is a big discrepancy when it comes to how many passes Carr attempted and how many runs you saw on the day. So here's Mick Lombardi talking about the run versus the pass. You know, I think when you look at the first drive of the game, you know, we moved the ball down the field, um, got some points in the field goal. Obviously, wish we got the ball in the end zone. And then, you know, the next time we got the football um, penalty on, you know, we gave a penalty hold, you know, we gave up a sack and third and long. And then, you know, the next series we had was a two-minute situation where – or we were backed up, excuse me. And then we just didn't convert in that third and short, which kind of stalled the drive. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're in a two-minute last last shot opportunity at the end of the second quarter. And, you know, we obviously didn't have many plays in the first, and we had the turnover there in the interception. So we just have a number of plays in the first half, and based on the opportunities we had, we ran the ball in the backed up. We did a de- decent job moving the ball down the field in the first drive. But – in terms of sample size in the first half, we didn't really have enough plays or series to kind of get established we wanted to. And then when we came out in the second half, obviously we were down. And, you know, we tried to, tried to play football and get a good drive, which we did. Play that because I wanted to, you know, not just me give the explanation on why there wasn't more run, but because I wanted you to hear what offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi had to say about it and the fact that because the Raiders did get down and they had a lack of possessions, that's the biggest deal. 
lack of possessions. When you turn the ball over, you lose the ball. So you don't have that possession. You don't have as many snaps as you normally would do. They did not have the ball very much in the first half. The first quarter flew by. I looked up and I was like, damn, the first quarter's over already? Man, I'm about to be out of here in a, you know, a couple hours now. Of course, the pace slowed down quite a bit, but that first quarter flew by. So, I mean, next thing you know, it was halftime. And the Raiders were going into the locker room trying to figure out, okay, how do we get this thing turned around? And they did, but just obviously wasn't enough. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Charles in Kentucky. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, GQ, how you do? Hey, you're saying don't let the highs get too high and the lows get too low, right? There you go. Yeah, that'll work. I like that one. <laughs> anyway, I got to first eat crow because I called you and said all they got is Cleo Mack. Well, <laughs> I got to eat that crap sandwich because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember me saying that, but that was enough. Good Lord. Yeah. Hey, look, I, the guy from Raymond sold my thunder because the, the two. I kind of blame Josh and Daniels as much as I, I blame Derek. I mean, we see Russell Wilson play bad. We see Joe Burrow play bad. So, they need to lay off, Derek. But but you've got to help your quarterback out. And I really thought we were going to win that game in spite of how bad we played when it was second and three, not third and three. And Josh was running over him. And for some reason, Derek was struggling. Let's just run the ball until we can't. And I was so aggravated with McDaniels. Gruden used to do that. It'd be like second inches. We throw two bombs down the field, and you'd be scratching your head. You know, and, and I – and I think Josh is a good coach, and I think Derek's going to be okay. And I actually think this loss is probably going to help us a little bit because I think we were a little bit full of ourselves, and it was served up for the Chargers. This is all sweet and nice. The NFL service went up for the Chargers. There was more for the Chargers to lose. We didn't have our preseason, and I blame preseason too after seeing that. But the one thing we haven't pointed out is the amount of pressure that's on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. If they give you the fastest car to race queue and say, you better win, and you're in fourth place, you're being, why am I so slow? You know, there's a lot of pressure on Derek, and it, it might take a few weeks for him to settle down because I'm sure he's putting a lot on his shoulders. But, but I think this team's fine, and I also don't think we'll see a pass rush like that again. But anyway, that 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 second and three made my blood curl because I was like, <laughs> just run Jacobs till they stop him. Why can't and, and McDaniel's just talked about doing common sense? Just do the common sense thing. Derek's struggling, but anyway, I, I I'm all right. You know, well, our problem is we're used to winning that opening game. But we'll be okay. We'll bounce back in Arizona. And when the Chargers, I wasn't impressed with the Chargers. We played the worst game I've seen the Raiders play and still could have won that game. Anyway, Q, good hearing for you guys. Uh, that's about it. Thanks, man. Hey, great call, man. Definitely appreciate you looking up at the screen here in the studio on ESPN. And, of course, every time I did, do we have a rewind button? Does the remote rewind? No, we do not Man. have the DVR in here in the studio. We don't have a remote where we can rewind? Like no. every TV allows you to rewind. Not this one. How? We got the basic box in here. We don't have the, the high-grade box in here. Every box known to man you can rewind. Unbelievable. The basic gist of the whole thing is they were talking about the AFC West and the opportunity, the percentages for the teams to still make the playoffs. Going into week one, it said the Raiders were at 42%, their projections. And after the loss, it was down to 36%. They were the third team in the AFC West. The Broncos were dead ass last after the performance that they had last night. But I would give you the percentages, but apparently we don't have a rewind button on this. We're currently sitting. I remember the currents. The Chiefs are at 86%. The Chargers are the Chargers are at 80. Okay. The Raiders were, would you say 42? 42 and 36. 42 and 36. And now the Broncos are now sitting at 28% chance to make the playoffs. So apparently DeMond has a photographic memory. Yeah, I mean, I just, I remember the gra- I was looking at the graphic as well. I didn't, you know, did the, uh, the pick the mental picture there for you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Bernard. Welcome to the show, brother. 
Hey, thank you. Hey, Q, just uh, is, is, I think uh, fans are kind of getting are losing patience with Carr, and some of it's unfair because he's been through so many coordinators. And I heard Vinny say earlier that maybe I think on the earlier show that he was just he seemed like really really like amped up for this game. And you would think that if you're amped up, right, at least me anyway, that you would like have too much air on the ball mm-hmm. and be overthrowing the guys instead of underthrowing them. So that was that was kind of strange to me. And then then the score twenty six nineteen, and then they lost twenty well, six nineteen against Cincinnati. So that's the last game of the season last year, the playoff game. And then they lost 24-19 uh, to the Chargers yesterday. Both games ended on a turnover, you know, from Carr. He was forcing it into, I think, Zay Jones at the end of the game last year. And it seems like Waller was open. And then yesterday he was, he, you know, he forced the ball, you know, at the end. Well, he got sacked and fumbled. It wouldn't have mattered anyway because it was fourth down. But, you know, it's the first game of the season. No need to get too uh, overexcited or overreacted by it. We, I think it sucks because they 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 could have won that game, but it was self-inflicted wounds, and they just got to get over that. And one more thing: why does it seem like he's just reluctant to use his legs just a little bit more often? There's a lot of quarterbacks that just that couldn't run a lick that could pass the ball. You know, you go back, Marino, you know, Breeze wasn't super mobile. Peyton Manning, Carr is known. They say he's athletic, and we we've seen it, but it's just like. He he doesn't want to move out of the pocket, and I think when you, your line is compromised a little bit, I think he that could, should be kind of second nature to him. But it just seems like he's reluctant to do it. And I don't think it's he's scared. He just do you think he's, it's just not a natural thing for him, or you know uh, what what do you see in, in terms of that? Because I think he can buy himself a little bit more time, you know, if he does that instead of just standing in the pocket, especially when you're going against. You know, two extreme—I mean, extremely good uh, pass rushers—and the line is compromised. So I would think he would kind of, like, okay, I got a few minutes. I mean, a few seconds, and if it's nothing's there, I'll move out the pocket a little bit and get a little more room, and maybe I'll find a receiver open. And with the guys that we have, somebody a break open with a, you know, with a few more seconds. So I don't know. I just wish he would do that a little bit more often. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate you. No, I I agree. And the thing is. He is reluctant to do it, and I do think he could do it. I honestly do believe, and we've seen it. We saw it early in his career. Uh, we saw it all the way up till 2016 till he broke his ankle, and I, I hate to continue to bring up injuries, but ever since then you saw a guy that wasn't uh, wanting to run as much as you know he had before in the past. I mean, remember, there was a time, matter of fact, in 2016, that first game against the Saints, hell, he ran all the way down the sideline, uh, somersaulted over a defender, jumped up, gave the first down symbol right in front of Dennis Allen and felt great about himself, right? I mean, he's done that before. But when you have an injury like he had, he he has, you know, scaled it back. Now, the one thing I'll say, and he he's even said it, something he had been working on, and I believe when we talked to him and I talked to him uh, before that golf tournament that he was playing in Tahoe, I asked him, what are you working on this year? Because there's always something that you tell us that you're working on. And he said he was working on some things, but he didn't say specifics. One year he told us one of the specifics he was working on was – you know, trying to keep plays alive with his legs because that was something that, you know, John Gruden was really trying to focus in on. It's like, hey, you know, you got to use your legs a little bit. You know, over the course of the last few years, you know, last year he had 108 yards rushing. Year before that, 140. 2018, 47 yards. 2017, 66. 2016, 70. 2015, 138. 2014, 
92 yards. That was his rookie year. He's got 661 total yards. I mean, he can move, but he's not going to be a guy that's just going to run around the yard. I mean, it's just, again, I say it all the time. You just can't force a guy to do something that he's not comfortable with doing. You just can't. You know, I mean, he can he can try, and in his mind, he can say, hey, I'm going to do this with my legs. I'm going to I'm going to do this when push comes to shove. But it's just it's muscle memory. It's what you know. It's what you're comfortable with. And whenever it gets hot and gets a little, you know, a little warm around the collar, you go back and do what you're used to doing, no matter what. And it's just, it's, again, Derek wants to beat you from the pocket. And he's got a really good arm. He can throw the ball deep. He's very accurate. He understands uh, defenses. He understands what he's looking for. He just prefers to do it, get it done one way, where other quarterbacks, like a Justin Herbert you saw on Saturday, on Sunday, He's just natural. He's just natural when it comes to being comfortable with moving around the uh, around the field and, and and moving with his legs and making plays and, and keeping plays alive. And you know, some of that's an Oregon thing too. Guys don't go to Oregon and are, and you know stand there in the pocket and just sling the ball around the yard. You know, they use their feet. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say I have the the answer to everything, but that's just part of the answer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let's get one more call in. Let's get Raider Mike, and we'll take a quick break. Raider Mike, welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's Chilling. up, D? Anyway, you know, this is the first game of the year. Yep. Brand new head coach. And D, he was too amped up. And we abandoned the run game way too soon. And when those guys, those dogs of theirs are coming that hard, you don't throw screens? Are you kidding me? You need to use Zeus more. Jake more in a screen game. When it when the their game plans that, that's how you counter that, and it, it just didn't happen. Um, you know, I the Chargers, they are a good team. I gotta admit it. I hate doing it, but <laughs> I'm going to. Um, but I mean, we Derek Carr threw three interceptions. He's only done that twice in his career, so. It was an anomaly. We took them down to the last second, and we should have won that game, playing as bad as we did. Khalil Mack, that closeout moment, grabbed Derek's face mask, and it wasn't called. That's true. How bad a ref are you if you can't? You're, you're concentrating on that whole scene. Three you morons. And you don't see Mac grab that face mask? Are you kidding me? Pathetic. These guys, start, they need to start losing their jobs. If you're that stupid and can't see something that blatant, why are we paying you? Just destroy the integrity of the league. I mean, we're, we're used to it. It's the Raiders. We're going to screw them in the end if we can. We're going to let... San Diego's dogs just do whatever they want to our quarterback. D.C. was antsy. But guess what? Devontae is as good as advertised. That guy is an alien. I've never seen a dude like that in a Raider uniform. All the great receivers we've ever had. That guy's a freak. Mm -hmm. That catch for the touchdown, I'm, <clears throat> Whoa. I'm like, wow, we get this for all year long? It's going to be fun to watch. Raider Nation, chin up. Be good. We're going to be all right. McDaniels, figure your play calling out a little bit better. 
Start doing some screens. You got the best running back room, maybe in the league. Use it. Don't be shy. Love the show, boys. Peace out. There he goes. Raider Mike, good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Uh yeah, a lot of lot of good breakdowns right there. And uh again, it's 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 week one. It's week one. And that's why we air it out. We talk about the improvements, what we want to see, and then we turn the page. And so I saw the Raiders tweet out something about turning the page to this upcoming week, and we're gonna do the same thing. Turning the page to the Arizona Cardinals. We'll start that obviously tomorrow. Coming up next, we're going to take a, a a trip to the high school game real quick. Talk to Coach Dan Bartson, Somerset Low C High School. He is a recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. We'll hear from him next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a fast and furious 25 minutes left in today's show. Coming up in a little bit, Coach Dan Barnson, Somerset Low C High School, recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. But earlier in the show, we said that we were going to be joined by Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network, also former Raider offensive lineman, of course, and he joins us now on the phone lines. at Lincoln, thank you so much for making some time this afternoon for us. We do appreciate you. And uh, the Raiders start out the season 0-1, you know, and you've talked many times about playing in the preseason. You've got to get some reps in the preseason. They did not, and it looked like it to me that they might have needed some, at least in the first half. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I, I still think there are certain things uh, about preseason football that are essential. First of all, it's good to be with you, Q. Thanks for having me. Um, it, it, it's one of those things like, for example, timing routes. Timing routes are when a quarterback has a wide receiver running crossing routes, running um, quick outs, um, stuff like that, where you, you, the, the, the timing has got to be there, and it's essential to have game speed timing. Um, and it, it, it's, it's things like that that, that, um, that I think a quarterback is absolutely essential to have his receivers and, and of course, have preseason and game style, uh, game style, um, style uh, moods, uh, modes going on. So, um, but, you know, that's, that's what I get down to is when, when, it, when it comes to the basics. It's little things like that that make an impact. Did you see that, that untiming or that bad timing as far as that play to, to Waller in the end zone where the ball was thrown behind him? Yes, that was one of them. Also, the one where he was trying to go to Hunter Renfro and he actually threw an interception was behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little bit off. Now, those types of things are, are timing routes, um, and, and those types of things can only be you know gained from having game south speed. So there were instances throughout the game that, that were like that. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Necessary Roughness. We've talked to you throughout the course of the summer. We've talked to you throughout the preseason about the offensive line and that being one cohesive unit. They had seven guys play on yeah. Sunday. What were your thoughts on that rotation? Well, I was I was a little surprised with this sort of combination mood that was thrown throughout the game. I've, I've never necessarily witnessed that. I know they tried it in the preseason. I thought you would have to settle on sort of a scheme or an ideal ideology on who uh, the guys were that you wanted to be out there. So I've never necessarily seen a combination like that, but I think it's still a work in progress because, look, you know, for what it's worth, I'm going to be honest with you, Q. It's it, you know, when it comes to sacks, it's not just on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. It's offensive line, it's quarterback. It's a team thing. Receivers have to get open. You know, quarterback has to be good with his timing and pocket awareness. And the offensive lineman has, has obviously has to stand up and, and do their job. But the thing is, is that if if you're the Raiders and you're in this situation, you saw how the Chargers played you. The way the Chargers played um, uh, with defensive style, they. They were confident that their front four was going to get to the quarterback. 
And now you think about this. Now let's do, just do some simple math here. You got 11 guys on the defense. Four rushing. That means you have seven back in defense, uh, secondary defense. The, the the Chargers were trying to keep make sure they kept too high, so they weren't going to let anything behind them. Underneath that, they were doubling the routes. They were doubling. You know, they were they were they were going to double. You know, Darren Waller. They were going to double Hunter Renfro. They were even double Devontae Adams. So if you're going to keep max protection in, and you're only going to send three guys out, you got those three guys that are being doubled. And you don't really have a lot of time to go to. So you got to obviously devise something else to give your quarterback an option. But more importantly, Derek Carr has got to have better pocket awareness, knowing that he sees that he's got to find a way to either get rid of the ball or try to do something different than what, he's, than what they were doing. All right, Lincoln. I know that you don't care about PFF grades too much, but Dylan Parnum, he was the highest-graded Raider when it came to PFF grades. When it comes to what you saw, who was the best-performing offensive lineman on Sunday? Uh, oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think about, you know, as far as grading the offensive line. You're talking about for the Raiders or just in general in the game? Oh, no, for the Raiders. Oh, for the Raiders. Well, I mean, you look, you, you've got Cole Miller, who I think did a good job. I mean, but at the same point, there is some concern about Andre James. Uh, obviously, you know, with concussion and, mm-hmm. and leaving for the hospital after the game. Um, for, the, for the most part, I didn't really give the, the offensive line a, a grade because it's hard to give a grade when you give up six sacks. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's the biggest thing right there. I mean, that's one unit. You know, you can have an individual play well, but that's yeah. a unit that's got to play well together to have overall Absolutely. success of the team. So from one week to the next, and we'll talk more obviously about it on Thursday. We'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals. But where do you expect to see the biggest jump from week one to week two? Well, I'm hoping this that that look, Derek Carr is the type of quarterback where if you put it in his mind. We're going to go, this play is designed to go to Devontae Adams, uh, or it's going to go to Darren Waller, and he looks for that. He stares down that. He stares on the route. Derek has got to go through his progression. You've got to have a progression that you go through and say, look, when you know Hunter is not open, I've got to go to my back or I've got to go somewhere else. You cannot fall. I'm hoping that he grows that. You know, I grows into that point. The, the thing that I saw this past weekend was that, you know, he was fixated on getting people, certain people involved in certain plays, but you, you still got to have better timing, got a better touch on the pass. You remember that, that, that the interception to the linebacker for the Chargers, mm-hmm. you know, he would have been better off either having a little bit more air on that ball to allow, the, you know, uh, uh, Darren Waller to one under it, um, and more like the interception late in the game by Asante Samuel Jr., um, he would have been better off at throwing it to the back of the end zone and allowed Devontae Adams. He kind of underthrew that ball. So there are things, decisions that have to be made and better play executed. I still think the Raiders are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's just those little things that you got to get better on, you got to work on now. Right, and that's something that head coach Josh McDaniels has talked about quite a bit is you know working on the, the small things that can come back and bite you in the foot and yeah. bite you in the backside, and that's what happened to the Raiders on Sunday. Well, uh, Lincoln, thank you so much, my man. We'll catch up with you again on Thursday, and we'll look forward to the Arizona Cardinals at Allegiant Stadium. Sounds like a plan, my man. I'll talk to you later. I appreciate you. There he goes. Lincoln Kennedy right there, Raiders Radio Network, uh, giving us a few minutes. And, again, we'll catch up with Lincoln on Thursday and look forward to the Arizona Cardinals. Coming up next, Coach Dan Barnson from Somerset Low C High School. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Each and every week at this time, I get to talk a little high school football. And anyone who's listened to me for any time and uh, period of time knows that I love to talk high school football and also talk about the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. And this week, it goes to Coach Dan Barnson from Somerset Low C High School. And Coach, first of all, congratulations on winning the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. Uh, your team, Somerset Low C, got the first victory in program history. How does that feel? Uh, it's amazing, actually. Um, we've come a long way. This, uh, this whole starting of the program started about 18 months ago. And it's been a long 18 months, I tell you, to, to build it from scratch. I mean, we completely built this thing from scratch. And to to watch the kids walk in last April, having team meetings, player meetings, and then work all summer, and we can go to camp, and then start playing, and to see where they've started and where they've come from, it, it, it's pretty cool. It really, really is. I'm, I'm super proud of the kids. You know, and this is not the first time that you've built up a program, but, I mean, what, what all goes into that? Because, I mean, there's, there's one thing to, you know, get coaches that come in and try to change the culture of a program and bring them around, but to actually start and launch your own program like you're doing right now, like you've done, I mean, what, what goes into that? What's the details that go into that? Uh, well, uh, you're right. This is my – my second one of, of starting, I, I was a head coach at Arborview for 12 years, and um, we, we built that one from the, from the ground up. And, um, you know, I mean, this one, even more so than my, my last school, uh, because when you start a new program in the Clark County School District, they kind of have a checklist of everything that they provide for you, start up all the, the, the equipment, all that stuff. And this one – we didn't have that. And so we literally started from ground zero and, um, and you start ordering stuff and then go, man, we need this. We need that. We forgot about that. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's been such a long road because th this kind of started, I know Ms. Scoville, our principal, and she reached out to me a couple years ago and said, I think we're going to do this. And I was actually going to retire from the Clark County school district at the end of last school year. And, and my last year at my at Harvard, my last school was 2018, and I kind of said, "Well, you know, I'm never going to coach again. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a dad to my own kids." And um, well, I, I, I guess I got a little gas left in the tank, and so we decided <laughs> to jump on board with this. And um, it's a lot of work. It really, really is. There's so much preparation that people don't see, and I mean, just I mean football wise but off the field stuff right and and, and i kind of laugh because three weeks ago four weeks ago now i guess before our first game we hit wednesday of game week and we me and the coaches kind of started looking at each other going god we haven't talked about this we haven't talked about that we haven't talked about this and there's so many things you take for granted when kids have been in a program that they started their freshman year and played freshman football and then jv and well we didn't have that right and i mean just little things of what we do pregame and how, where they stand, what they do on game day at school. I mean, there were so many things and we're still doing it. We're still doing it today. You know, man, we, we still haven't talked about this. And right. so, um, 
but it's been very satisfying. It, it really, really has because these kids, they, they love it and they show up every day and they work hard. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I always have such a high respect for high school football coaches because it's more than just X's and O's. It's more than just wins and losses. I mean, you're helping, you know, create the foundation of our communities, right? And so, I mean, that's that's a big deal. And, and I think that high school football yep. goes such a long way. So, so Coach, matter of fact, just being a high school football coach, like you said, this is not your first run. I mean, you thought that you were going to be done, but, you know, the old ball coach is going to keep on being the old ball coach, right? What, what does it mean to you to have that opportunity to be a high school football coach, a mentor, a father figure, a best friend, you know, just that guy that your players can lean on? Yeah, I mean, I started coaching in 1992, and, and I grew up here in Las Vegas, and, and I'm kind of a family history type thing. My great uncle um, has one of the high school uh, fields here in town named after him, and my dad was is more of a baseball guy, but he was a coach, and my brother coached, and I, I just knew, I mean, I knew that education and being a coach, it's, it's what I was going to do, what I was meant to do, I guess you want to say. And, and you're right. I mean, there's so much football and wanting to win and all that, but then there's even more. So, I mean, we're teaching these kids life lessons and, um, how to be future, um, successes in their jobs that they choose and in their families and all that. Um, and, and again, and I know I keep saying it, it's super satisfying. It is when you see the light bulbs start clicking on the kids and, um, and you know, and you realize that some of the things that we're working on are some of the things that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. Talking right now with Coach Dan Barnson from Somerset Low C High School, picked up the first victory in program history last Friday night. And for that, Tom Flores, high school football coach of the, the week award recipient. And Coach, for your players to see that first victory, and I mean, again, I, I just mentioned that it's more than about wins and losses. It's about a lot, a lot of life lessons. But on the field, for them to see that first victory, how big of a deal was that for them moving forward? Uh, you know, it was it was really big because we, we came close a couple weeks ago and then actually played uh, tough a week ago, and, and we've been growing, and we've been getting bigger or better, should I say, um, every week. And, and, and I've been telling the kids and telling the coaches, God, you're so close, and right. you don't realize how close you are. And once you taste it, it, it'll change you. And, um, and I, I mean, I have a saying, you got to hate losing more than you love winning. Yes. And these kids, they had never won before to taste that and know that, okay, I, I know that taste, and I want to keep striving to do that. And um, and don't get me wrong, we, we learn from our losses, and, um, and we get better from our losses, but we also got to do the same from our wins. But I... It was fun. It really, really was. When that game ended and that clock went down and the kids, I mean, it was such a big deal for them and the coaches and their families and our school. Um, they got to walk into school yesterday morning, Monday morning, and they were winners. And that was a big deal for them. <laughs> yeah, I know it was. I, I can uh, just imagine what the, you know, the feeling in the locker room was. Uh, the, again, feeling walking around campus on Monday, just knowing, like you said, they were winners. And, and to help, uh, you know, get that and secure that victory, you had a monster performance from Malachi Johnson, 190 yards and a touchdown. If you're going to have yeah. that kind of performance from a running back, that means your offensive line is taking, taking part of what they're supposed to do, right? They're doing their job and they're doing it in, in a major way. How satisfying was it for the offensive line? to be able to pave the way for Malachi to have a big game like that? You know, Malachi's been running crazy all year. I mean, he's, he's second in the state in rushing right now. And and he realizes he's a very humble kid. And, and the other backs are just as humble because we run a, a running scheme. Yeah. So we run the ball quite a bit. And and the kids, the backs know that without those linemen, I mean, they're, they're nothing. And 
the linemen for doing their jobs and they're getting it. I mean, again, it's, it's a scheme. Everything's new. These kids have never done this. And the scheme that we run, I mean, six, five, six months ago when we started this and we were out there in April, it was like, Oh man, we were, the coaches looking at each other going, Oh man, Holy <laughs> smokes. We got a long way to go. Right. And, and I, I kind of jokingly say, we kind of walked to the edge of the cliff and go, okay, we're jumping. Here we go. We're going to jump. And, and then of course we go, no, we just, we stick with the course. We grind it out. And we went to Utah over the summer. We went to camp, which was a full, uh, full contact camp for three days. And, and we got better. And then we kept working in the month of August. And obviously it, it all works out. And, but yeah, Malachi, I tell you what, he, he's good. And he's got other backs that are running with him. And those linemen, um, I mean, there's, it's starting to gel. It really, really is. And, and it's exciting to see. I, I could imagine. I, I really can. And, Coach, I, th I thought it was so funny when you said, you know, we go to the edge of the cliff and, and we say, all right, we're going to jump. No, okay, we're not. We're going to ride this thing out. I mean, t for your yeah. players, when they see the coaching staff riding with them, does it help them ride with you as well and say, you know what, Coach is here with us. We're going to be here with Coach. I, I think so. I mean, I do. And, um, I mean, we believe in what we do as coaches. Right. On the offense, on the defense, special teams. We, we believe in our system. I, I'm very humbled, very uh, fortunate that when when I decided to do this Somerset um, opportunity, I guess you want to say, I had several of my my former coaches that are my friends that that called me and said, "Heck yeah, we're in. Let's go. Let's nice. start this thing." And it's very very humbling. And they, I mean, we believe in what we do, and the kids see it in us. They do. They see that that we know when we're we're putting in something, a play, a scheme, or whatever it is we're putting it in cause it works and, and the kids trust us. And I'm sure every once in a while laughingly, the kids look at us and shake their head and go, Oh man, these guys are crazy. But, <laughs> um, but the history, we can go back and point, look, it works and right. just, just trust it and let's go with it. And, um, I mean, I mean, when it comes to the schemes and all that, I'm a big believer less is more. And especially at the high school level, and especially at this starting a program from scratch level, um, we've really, um, started from scratch, kept it simple, and we just rep it over and over and over. And now we're starting to it's starting to pay off. Talking right now with Coach Dan Barnson from Somerset Low C High School here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So you become the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. Uh, every coach I've talked to about this award says it to the T. It's not about me. It's about the coaches. It's about the players. But it's just in my name. But with that being uh, said, how big of an honor is that to be named the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week? Oh, it's amazing. It, it really is. It was such a cool thing when I when I got word um, and I mean, it was, it's exciting. It's exciting for everybody. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's exciting for me. I mean, this is a cool thing. I mean, this is the Las <laughs> right. Vegas Raiders. I mean, I'm a, I'm born and raised Las Vegas and I, I grew up here in the eighties and when the rebels were huge and that was all we had was right. the, the, the running rebels. And now we have so much and I think so much more is coming and, and it's, it, it's an amazing opportunity um, for Las Vegas, but this is, this is a cool thing. And, and and it is, like the other coaches said, it's not me. It, it's the coaches. It's all of us. It's the kids. We have parents that are stepping up. Um, our administration's amazing. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm super excited, super humbled. And, um, yeah, this is a great thing for our school. You know, you mentioned in this community having so much now. And, you know, I've been here almost a year and a half, you know, coming in from Texas, originally a West Coast guy, but went to Texas for a long time and came back. And so seeing everything that's here in Las Vegas right now, how much of a blessing is it to have the Raiders and have them so heavily involved in the community? 
Uh, I mean, it's it's so cool. I mean, like I said just a moment ago, I mean, I'm born and raised Las Vegas, and my parents were actually born and raised Las Vegas, and um, my great grandfather worked on Hoover Dam when it was being built in the 30s. So mm. I, my family, we've been here forever, yeah. and, and I, <laughs> I always grew up hoping that we would get a professional team, and and now we have a few and i think i mean of course the golden knights changed everything and yeah. now the raiders are changing everything even more um part of my family's a baseball family we're hoping that baseball comes to Vegas. <laughs> how, how, how cool would that be right. um but, but when the raiders signed on and they started building that big stadium down there wow i mean vegas changed and, and it's such a cool thing and now the rebels got to play in there um so it's exciting. It's exciting for Vegas, and I can't imagine 10 years from now what it's going to be because of how it is even now. Right. I, I agree 100%. And, you know, it's got to be pretty cool for your team as well, for the players to be able to look up and say, hey, look, those are professionals. Those are guys I look up to and watch on Sundays. They play in my own backyard. That's got to be pretty cool yeah. as well. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. And we're hoping that we can, here in the future, get our kids start going down to some practices and doing that and, and going to UNLV to some of their practices and – uh, some of my former players that are still playing uh, college football want to come back and talk to kids, and because um, these kids they they've never seen that, they've never experienced that, and and it's 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 something that we want to put out there for them. I, uh, yeah, I can imagine, and that's the satisfaction, right? Is having the players come back and you know hang around yeah. the program, talk to yeah. the players coming up, then they realize, oh, I can do it. There's the evidence, you know, right there in yeah. front of me. That's that's really cool. And coach, uh, this has been fantastic. Before I let you go, you got a victory last week. Now. How do you build on that? How do you go through the week with practice? How do you continue to, you know, coach and teach these players up so they can build on that and get that satisfaction again next week? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm i a big – it's a routine. And, and we jumped right back in after we went on one on Friday night to our Saturday morning routine. And we went out yesterday, Monday, at practice. And it was the same Monday practice as last week. And um, I learned – I learned from a long time ago that when you win, there's still things to fix. Right. There, it's not like we played a perfect game, and and a lot of times you, coaches get caught up in the we won and we're so happy and, and we only look at the good things. Well, if you do that, then in a few weeks the bad things come back and they get you. And so we still have a lot of things to fix, and and we're excited for this Friday night's game. Um, and, and it's just again we continue week by week. Finding out what we do, and at least it's not as hot this week. <laughs> so hot, yes. <laughs> so, um, so that's a little bit plus. But no, the kids came out Monday, and they were super excited to get going. Well, it's always easier to correct things when you're coming off a victory, right? Then it is correct. Oh, I, I, I'm a big believer that I'll, I'd rather fix it after a win than fix it after a loss. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Well, congratulations, coach. Congratulations Thank to your you. team. Uh, much success there at uh, Somerset Low C, uh, building this program. I know that you've, you've been there, you. done that, so you know what it looks like. And uh, it's going to be a grind, but I know you're ready for it. So, uh, again, congratulations and appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you very much. There he goes right there, Coach Dan Barnson, Somerset Host High School, uh, recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. Always enjoy talking a little high school football here on Raider Nation Radio 920. One quick text for Vegas Pete. When I used to coach, I learned as much as I taught the players. Not always positive, but sports teaches you some life lessons. 458 is the time. We'll come back, take a quick break. We'll be talking to T.C. Martin. He's at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And then you'll hear from Coach Becky Hammond. It's all on the way on Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
And here we go right now. A little extended version of Unnecessary Roughness. We're going to send it to the Michelob Ultra Arena as the Aces are going to be in action tonight for the finals. Game two against the Connecticut Sun. T.C. Martin, he's the voice of the Aces. He's standing by with Coach Becky Hammond. Thank you, Q. And uh, welcome everyone here on Raider Nation Radio as well, too, as we get ready for game number two of the WNBA Finals. And joining me now, the head coach, the coach of the year, the one and only Becky Hammond. It is what, Becky? Game day. That's right, it's game day. I'm trying to say my voice. Yeah, so I, I can yell at the officials. Yeah, see, it is a little bit better. Both of our voices are, <laughs> are a little bit better. I think we're both yelling at officials. Uh, well, it's probably a good thing they couldn't hear me last game, so <laughs> probably save myself some money. The 10,135 were drowning you out. That's what you were saying, right? <laughs> good. Game one well, in the book. It's a family show. Right. So game one in the books, we, it may not have been pretty, but it was a victory. You got a one game to none lead in this series. How would you describe game one? Uh, physical. Um, not executed well until the second half defensively. Um, and offensively, I still think we can do much, much better. Um, not that Connecticut's defense isn't great. It is very good defense, but we can also help ourselves and control what we can control. You said it was going to be a war coming in here because of the physical nature. Would, how would you say that your team stood up in game one to that style of play? I mean, it took us getting popped. I mean, we, start, we started off decent. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, we, we have to play out of our defense. We're, we're special when we play out of our defense, and I didn't like um, what was going on the first half. Um, and then offense, you know, we were, uh, I don't know, we are spacing. <laughs> I know my team likes each other, but I'm like, I'm going to need you to space out a little bit. You should not be able to touch your teammate anytime on uh, offense while you're getting space. So uh, we got to find those corners, spread the court out. They do a great job shrinking the court anyways. We can't assist them with our spacing and shrinking our own court. So I was here at halftime. Kyle Lowry was uh, joining me during the half, and then all of a sudden I could hear something in the distance. I, I believe it was your voice in that locker room. What was that? <laughs> what was that halftime speech like? Like I said, it's a family show. I don't think you want to repeat. I, you know, I was so mad. Everybody was like, "What did you say?" I'm like, I actually don't remember. I just know. I mean, I was screaming about. You were hot. I mean, come on. There's hot and there's hot, hot, and I was hot, hot. <laughs> Um, because she was flaming, flaming. Um, you know, everything we had talked about, we didn't do a damn thing. We didn't do one of them. And so I was ticked. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, you go back, they saw it. Um, I'm like, and I just said, y'all want to lose a championship off hustle? Doesn't have anything to do with your defense or offense? Nothing? Just hustle? That's how we're going to, that's how we're going to do this? And then they came out and got after it. There's, I was happy with them the second half for sure defensively. There's something about your fire and brimstone speeches because we've seen third quarters where you guys have come out smoking. You definitely did that in that game. We also talk about the development of Asia Wilson and how her game continues to evolve. Of course, she's the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. But we're also now seeing her become a beast down low. And you just figuring this out. This is like going no, on the no, world. No. The season is almost done. She's been beasting all year. I know that, but here's what I'm going. Here's what I'm going with. You better get to a quick okay. CC. Listen, okay. The defense now down low. The block shots we're seeing. And let's face. I'm not saying she was finesse before, but when you face Connecticut and it's going to be this war, you're watching her now. Like she takes shots, she's giving shots back. 
and that's my point here is that like this is a true MVP this is a true leader and we haven't seen that part of her like that in the past where now it's like no I'm putting this on my shoulders but if I got to fight I got to be physical I'm doing it going above and beyond the Call of Duty yeah well she's playing Call of Duty she's doing <laughs> whatever it takes um, no I mean that's her desire to win what does it take Coach, what do I need right. to do? There, there you go. And then just to be able to go out and do it. And not only that, she got a, a team behind her that yeah. believes in her, yeah. follows her lead. Um, and she knows she's got other options. Chelsea, Kelsey, Jackie. I mean, we can come at you in waves. Um, and we didn't get one wave last game. So hopefully we can get a little bit more uh, fluid movement and ball movement and player movement. Um, but, the you know, I don't want to get – you know, like, with, I've never been in a fight like this fight in my life. I'm not a violent person. So we find out that you don't yell. You don't yell at your children, and you've never been in a fist fight. We're learning things, sir. Right. right. But if somebody came and hit me in the face, yeah. uh, I'm going to fight. You're throwing down. Yeah. Like, I've also never been punched, so maybe that's why I haven't been, in, like, you know, in a fight. Uh -huh. But it shouldn't take, like, a little zinger uh -huh. to your cheek right. to get you fired up. Like, you got to bring the fight to them. No tiptoeing into a bar fight. Right? Like, you got to smash that door open. Because I think we're kind of playing the bar owners. Like, they're so physical and tough. Like, they like it like that. Yeah. So, um, good sign for us is I thought we played terrible um, offensively and, and we're able to grind out a win. Um, so, I, I expect us to be better offensively tonight. Um, and I expect, honestly, a more physical. I think they're going to get after it even more. Right. Um, that's the button they push. So, we got to be very uh, composed. Uh, like I said, control what we can control and go out and play the game and do it together. I think that's the thing that I, I was trying to get to is that you got to be so satisfied to see that you have a player or players that are willing to do whatever it takes and to maybe come out of that a little bit to, boom, to punch back and, and, and say, hey, you know, yeah, I'm not taking that. And hopefully it won't yeah. take a 20-minute uh, first-half warm-up to get us there. We'll come out ready to, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. Um, you know, I, I give them this example, you know, of just playing together. You know, if I pick up Jackie and we're going to a party or we're going to a bar, I'm not leaving without Jackie. And whatever Jackie gets into, I get into. So if Jackie runs into trouble, I'm in on the trouble. If Jackie is like, we got in this party together, we leave in the party together, but we have to do it together. You told me you're a country. You sound city now. I'm a little bit of both. <laughs> I've been out of. I moved from. I moved out of my parents' house at 18. Never went back. <laughs> Becky Hammond joins us. Get ready for game number two, the WNBA finals tonight. Derricka Hamby, you decided to put her in the game midway through the third quarter. It definitely paid off. Take us through the conversations you've had with her leading up to that, and the decision-making process that you went through about playing time and then inserting her at that moment. Well, obviously, we've been in a little bit of rhythm without her. Um, and Seattle, I thought, was a different kind of, I don't know, it's a different series, had a different kind of characteristic. Um, I've been communicating with her the whole time. She's been communicating with me. You know, she's a long-term piece for us, so I, I don't want to be short-sighted. I, I want her. I want her out on the floor, but not at any expense to her or her not being ready and at the expense of the team. My job is to put the best team out there possible. If that's part of her, which it certainly was the other night, then she will be out there. Um, but I've been just talking to her routinely. Um, I told her I don't know what I was going to do last night or the other day um, during the game, and I just said stay ready. 
and you saw um, basically in the first half she didn't get a sniff and then basically won the game for us in the second half. Right. So she, she's get, she'll get the first crack tonight, her, her and Bay. Um, because at the end of the day, this is, a, this is a different one. You know, Seattle is a jump shooting team. They want to shoot threes. They want to shoot twos, pull up, very finesse, very fast game. Um, and this is a little bit more grinded out. And I right. was just sitting there. I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like There you go. I mean, she's my biggest, baddest beast out right. there, so I got to put her in the game and hope hope that she brings a level of physicality, and she sure enough did. She cleared some hurdles for you the other night, didn't she? Yeah, you know, I hadn't seen her at that pace. Mm -hmm. You know, even when she had gotten in, you know, she there's there's some some stuff going on. So I'm just like, show me you ready. Mm -hmm. And she she said she told me she was ready, and I said okay, let's go. KP, Jackie, base struggled a little bit. You know, from the shooting standpoint last game. What were your thoughts on their performances? Uh, I thought, you know, they made their imprint on the defensive end, you know, uh, which helped us, you know. And at the end of the day, whether KP's hitting shots or not, you have to guard her. You cannot just let her stand alone. Like, her presence gives us space. So we all have to play off that, use that, because, um, you know, like I said, if you're going to not guard Kelsey Plum, you're going to get an all-star game performance, which is like 34 points in 20 minutes. Like, right. She, if that girl's proven that you got a game plan for her, you have to have a scouting. You have to have a plan for her. Mm. And at the end of the day, like I said, just the threat of her opens things up for everybody else. Um, World's continue to try to get her look. She's a shooter. She's done it all her life. That's what she does. That that worm will turn. I got zero, right. zero uh, question marks about that. Yeah. Final couple things for you. We remember when you played back-to-back -back games against this team back here in June. Similar situation where you had, you know, a couple days off in between. Uh, you guys won the first game. Two days later, they came back, win 97-90. Uh, thoughts on how to prepare for this team, as you know, is going to come out fired up. Well, basically, if you go back to that second game, they we let them ring up 37 points on us. Um, this is a lower-scoring team. They should get that in a half yep. um, because of the pace and the tempo right. they like to play at. Well, they turned us over seven times in that first quarter. Um, after that, we beat them. So right. you can't have any one-quarter letdowns against this against this team. They'll make you pay. And even as you saw on the other day, it's never over. We had a, a, a decent-sized league there. They're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And they have a, a very good a good enough defense where they can turn you over and cause some havoc. Um, so, you know, we want to take care of the ball first and foremost, yeah. take care of the glass, guard the paint. And if we do those things, I like our chances. Just Which, by the way, we didn't do it all in the first half of that game one. You, you, you're right. All right. What so that's you, a little bit of what halftime was about. There you go. Okay, I was going to ask you, what adjustments are you thinking about making tonight? What would you like to see your team do differently and better? Um, better spacing, better ball movement, yep. less standing offensively. Yep. Uh, the ball's got to be popping. Um, and then defensively, I'd like us to see us rebound better. We out-rebounded them in the second half of, the, yep. of game one. Um, but we need to be there both halves. Like I said, we, we played a good 20 minutes, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I, want, I want 40. And, and we've had this conversation before. <laughs> I feel like, give me 40 minutes. About um, 20 times, yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think they saw the tape. They know what they got to do. They, they kind of get the feel. Um, if there's one thing that I trust about this team, I trust Chelsea's feel. Mm -hmm. I trust Asia. Like Jack, I, I trust them as basketball players. All right, go get your throat lozenges, a little hot tea, uh, and honey for the voice. Thank you. Good luck, Becky. Thanks. There she is, Becky Heaven, the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, as we get ready for game two inside the Michelob Ultra Arena here at the Mandalay Bay. It's game two, the Aces and the Sun.
Perfect. There it is right there. T.C. Martin, fantastic job with Coach Becky Hammond. And you can hear that game broadcast on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, with the pregame show with T.C. starting at 5.30. So that's going to do it for us here on Red Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Good luck to the Aces. We'll be talking about, hopefully, a 2-0 victory, a 2-0 lead, I should say, in the series on tomorrow's show. So uh, thanks to you to DeMond for the great work. Thanks to all the guests that we had on the show today. A lot of fantastic guests. Mike Greenberg from ESPN, John McClain, Ted Wynn, Lincoln Kennedy, Coach Dan Barnson from Somerset, and of course T.C. Martin with Coach Becky Hammond right there. I think I'm done for the week. I think that's a wrap. I'll see y'all Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. I'm kidding. I kid. I kid. No. Wake up with the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor. They'll be talking all things silver and black on a Wednesday morning as we're halfway through the week. Turning the page to the Arizona Cardinals. DeMond, great work tonight. We appreciate you. Shout out to my man, Doug. Shout out to him. He's uh, doing a lot of fine work behind the scenes as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Good night.